This is Soccer Power Half Hour, part of the Armchair All-Americans Podcast Network, with your hosts Sam Henschel and Justin Davies. Hello and welcome to the Soccer Power Half Hour, as always, part of the Armchair All-Americans Podcast Network. We are back. Uh, we missed out last week. I was away. I was feeling a little bit ill. Decided not to do a podcast. Didn't want to sound like the ghost of something or other uh, on the podcast. So we're back after our full-length feature North London Derby preview uh, where we had a guest this week. We do not have a guest, just me and Justin. And we will be talking to you about the Premier League, Champions League, FA Cup. And if we have a little bit of time, maybe we'll get to some MLS, but we'll see. That's a, that's the last thing on our agenda today. Let's start with the Premier League. Uh, interesting, not too many games played in the Premier League this week. A lot of games postponed due to FA Cup competition. But what we did see is we saw the top two in action in Tottenham and Leicester. Both teams ended up winning. Tottenham won 2-0, Leicester won 1-0, and Tottenham looked pretty dominant against an Aston Villa team that's, uh, let's face it, have right now uh, statistically a 99.95% chance of being relegated. Newcastle, on the other hand, has a brand new manager, Rafa Benitez, showed up in the game. It took something pretty spectacular from Leicester, a Shinji Okazaki bicycle kick to even win that match. Leicester, Definitely looks on a little bit of a downturn, and Tottenham looks on a little bit of an upswing, but with five points separating the two and only eight matches to go, I don't know that they can close this, Justin. I mean, what do you think about the state of the Premier League top two right now? I think it's a very interesting top two, Sam. You know, coming off of that hammering in Dortmund, Tottenham did not actually look like they're on the up and up, but they came out against a very weak Aston Villa side and looked absolutely dominant. Even though it was only 2-0, they looked really good. Leicester, on the other hand, like you said, it took a bicycle kick to put them ahead in Newcastle. Rafa Benitez's side is now fighting for the relegation spot. I think Leicester looked, especially in that last 10 to 15 minutes, like they were going to concede a goal. Newcastle were really pressing. And I think that maybe if this this game were, were to be played two weeks down the road, that Newcastle would have put one in. They're just getting used to Rafa Benitez's system. Um, the one thing I will note with Leicester is they did a very good job of closing out that game. In the last five to ten minutes, they literally held the ball in the corner. Conte and Vardy did a great job of holding the ball. They look impressive. They're clutch. Many of their last couple wins have been 1-0. I think it's a hard gap for Tottenham to catch up on, but I do think it's possible. I think that's something we're going to have to wait and see, though. What about you, Sam? You shouldn't expect Tottenham to come out and not look good against Aston Villa. I, I know that some people will say that, oh, we're praising Tottenham for beating up on Aston Villa. This is biased and whatever they may say. But listen, this is the kind of game that a champion can't lose. And it's the kind of game that a Tottenham team like this has lost in the past, has come out of a Thursday match, hasn't looked too great, come in on a Sunday, playing against a team they definitely should beat, and they don't win. And it's not just Tottenham. Top teams do this all the time. And it's the difference between those top teams and the really top teams that they can show up when they have to and show up when they should. And, I mean, a loss here would have ended any chance that they had. Eight points with eight games to go. It's really tough to make that up. Now it's still only five. Leicester, I think you're right. I mean, they're clutch. Obviously, they figured out how to hold off a Newcastle attack in the last few minutes. And, I mean, they're definitely pushing. They look like they're going to win the title. And it's really interesting because eight games is a lot of time. And all the simulations that are being run are showing that somewhere between 76 to 78 points is going to be your magic number. 76, of course, being the absolute lowest end. And if whoever can get to 76 points will have a probably 50-50 shot to win. If you can get above 76, you get a better than 50-50 shot to win the title. And so seeing where the teams are now, something's got to give soon. I think that Newcastle 
on the other end of the table looked good. I think they'll continue to look good. Uh, what you should look for with them, every single match, I think, almost every single one that they play over the next eight matches has some major effect on the top of the table or the bottom of the table. For some reason, Newcastle has, like, the most important schedule remaining. I don't understand it, but perfect time to bring in Rafa Benitez, who has proven that he can manage some of the best teams in Europe. And I'd like to watch what they do, especially considering they'll be playing... They'll be hosting Tottenham on the last day of the season, and if they don't have anything to play for, or they do have something to play for, that game may have a huge impact on the title race, and I think that's definitely important to watch. Now, we said that a lot of these Premier League games were postponed. That's because we have FA Cup action to talk about. The semifinals, Watford and Crystal Palace. Everton will play the winner of a replay between Manchester United and West Ham. Did you watch any of the FA Cup, Justin? Did not get a chance, but I did see some of the results. I saw Crystal Palace took down Reading. Everton beat Chelsea 2-0. Watford stunned Arsenal with a 2-1 win. West Ham and United tied. That's a very tough game. So looking like now for the semifinals, it's going to be Crystal Palace and Watford, two of the Premier sides really playing for something. And then Everton with that to-be-determined matchup against either West Ham or Man United. I think that game in the semifinals, whoever Everton draws, whether it's United or West Ham, will be the more attractive game. And I think the winner of that game will end up winning the cup. But I think kudos to Crystal Palace and kudos to Watford for taking down Arsenal. Great game, great results. And I think it's very exciting for those clubs moving forward. Arsenal hadn't lost an FA Cup match in a long time. QPR managed to get relegated from the Premier League twice in the time it took Arsenal to lose an FA Cup match. It's a long time. And Watford, I mean, that second goal was absolutely incredible. They needed something special to do it, and they did it. So no three-peat. Pat Riley can sleep easy. No three-peat happening in the FA Cup this year. I think you're right. I think whoever ends up taking on Everton, whether it's Everton moving through or that team... And coincidentally, I think they probably want Man United more than they want West Ham, but that's a topic for another day. I think whoever wins that will probably go on and win. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Crystal Palace or Watford did it, but I don't think that they're definitely the favorite going in. And what this does mean is that three of the four teams remaining, or three of the five teams remaining, are outside of the top six. And what that would mean is if they win the FA Cup, that seventh spot in the Premier League, will not get a Europa League berth. So that's pretty important for some lower to middle level sides who are looking for that next level in terms of European competition and a little bit more attractiveness. Seventh won't do it for you anymore. Six is going to have to do it. And so we'll see how that dynamic plays into the end of the season points maneuvering, how people are trying. Teams that maybe had nothing to play for who are sitting in seventh or eighth may try that extra push to get to sixth. I don't know if it'll change anything, but it's very interesting yeah, Sam. And you mentioned that seventh play spot. And one result I want to talk about from last weekend is Southampton and Stoke. Southampton beat Stoke 2-1. to one. They passed them in the table. And now Southampton moves into that seventh spot, that spot that may no longer get that Europa League bid. I think that neither of those, these teams are in the FA Cup. When looking at the table, do you see either Southampton or Stoke getting Europa League action? Liverpool does have two games in hand and an impressive goal difference ahead of them. Stoke's at negative four, but Southampton is at eight. Do you see Southampton making a move for potentially the Europa League, Sam? Southampton has had an interesting season. They had an early push, a a middle of the season fall, and they're having a late push right now. So we'll see how long they can continue this late push. If they keep it up at the way that they're doing it now, they can turn this around. They're definitely in the picture. I mean, Stoke is also in the picture 
no one is really out of it in that six, seven, eight, nine area from from getting in or out of those spots. I wouldn't be surprised to see any of them end up with it at the end of the year. I think obviously the further down you are, the less likely you are to take it. But I think Southampton is definitely in with a shout. Speaking of what's moving forward, next weekend we have a couple of very interesting matchups. We'll start with looking at Manchester City, Manchester United, a derby, and the battle for fourth. Not something we would have thought at the beginning of the season. What are you thinking for this one? Very interesting matchup, Sam. I'm very excited for it. I'm sure everyone else is excited for it as well. It is at Manchester City Stadium, but it will be a home game pretty much for both sides. I think coming off of this Champions League fixture, Man City might be a little tired. We have some breaking news that both their center backs have been injured and been subbed out early in the first half. We are, of course, recording during the Manchester City game at the moment. So I think that Man City might look a little thin and that might be very pivotal for that fourth spot in the table this weekend if they can not be able to field company or Otamendi. What do you think, Sam? I think that definitely has a detrimental impact to any chance they have of winning. But, of course, in matches like this, you never know what's going to happen. Unlikely heroes step up. People play games that maybe they shouldn't necessarily play because of the extra emotion. I think missing those two guys will definitely have a detrimental effect. But Manchester United hasn't been known to score terribly easily this year. So I wonder if that help is what they'll need or if it won't be that much of a difference. But I wouldn't be surprised with either result. I think Man City obviously come in as the favorites just because they can simply score more. If you want to get into a goal fest between these two teams, Man City will score more goals. That's just simply how it will be. So I think that if it's a high-scoring game or a low-scoring game, I think Man City are the favorites. Another interesting matchup we have is Everton-Arsenal. I don't know. Are their title chances done? You know, Sam, it's really interesting. They're They are one game in hand back from Tottenham and Leicester City. If they do win that, they'll be three back from Tottenham. They need to win this game. And we talked about Tottenham. Every single game is a must-win game. Same thing goes for Lesher. Arsenal, even more so. And they're going away to Everton. It's going to be a tough matchup. I think to, it's safe to say that if they don't get anything more than a win in this game, then their title chances are over, Sam. But if they keep winning, they keep hanging in there, you never know what can happen. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think that they should be very worried about where they are. And I don't really know what they're going to do this summer. If they make this push and somehow end up finishing in third or just barely second, it'll definitely reinforce whatever they've been doing. And they'll say, oh, next year's our year. We got so unlucky. Leicester, nobody expected that. But this was their title to lose. And it looks like they've lost it. It looks like they've just lost it. There there was nothing that they could do. But, I mean, speaking about last week's match, the Derby, I mean, they had a chance to win and... They had a player sent off. They ended up tying it up. They'll take a point and they'll walk away from that happy knowing that they didn't lose with 10 men. But we were talking about it with Coleman and a draw doesn't help either team. It hurts them just as much as a loss. So, I mean, they're already in a place where they haven't won too many games in the last four games that they've played. They've lost three of them, maybe. The only one they won was the replay against Hull. Or no, they, they haven't lost three of them. They've lost or drawn three of them. It just seems like they're letting it slip away in, in fashion that we've seen before. In addition, the other two title chasers will be in action. Leicester at Crystal Palace, Tottenham at Bournemouth. Anything there that you think will cause trouble for these two teams? Or do you think that perhaps this should be two wins for the top two? I think it should be two wins for the top two. You know, one thing we talked about is maybe people might not think that Aston Villa game was that impressive. But that is a trap game. And I think Aston Villa has a lot to play for as well. That's a trap game for Tottenham. Crystal Palace at Crystal Palace could be a trap game for Leicester City. 
Tottenham home to Bournemouth. They're a good team. They just beat Swansea on the weekend 3-2. to two. I know they're at the bottom of the table, but they got some explosive players that can score. I think both are trap games, but they're games that both sides should win. I think another really interesting matchup is Chelsea-West Ham. West Ham has really flown under the radar, like a lot of us have kind of mentioned earlier in the show. And now they're sitting in fifth with a chance. If Man City loses that depleted back line against Manchester United, they can slip into that Champions League spot. But Chelsea's going to want to get into that Europa League discussion, especially after their Champions League exit. So I think that'll be an interesting game. As well as Newcastle-Sunderland, two bottom-of-the-table sides. Rafa gets a big chance here to gain some points, gain some grounds against uh, the Premier League table. I think it's an interesting matchup. And then another one, a, a Europa League potential clash. Southampton and Liverpool, they're both fighting for that spot. That's going to be an interesting game as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I'll, I'll just say one thing about the Tyneware Derby. Uh, what we know about this is in the last few years, Sunderlands have done the same thing. They fired their manager two weeks before the Tyneware, and they've won with the new manager. I think they've done it maybe four times in a row, maybe only three times in a row. This time, Newcastle's done it. They fired their manager two weeks before the Tyneware. Don't be surprised if Newcastle takes this. And then I don't understand how that works, but maybe each team is going to want to fire a manager two weeks before the Derby. I have no clue. But but yeah, that's going to be a really interesting one with a lot of, I mean, it's incredible what's going to happen in that match. And I think it'll be funny if Newcastle ends up winning the amount of people that'll throw that statistic around. So, so keep your eye out for that. We'll move on now and talk about European competition. The Champions League, like we said, we're recording on Tuesday afternoon. We're in the middle of two games that are happening right now. But we can talk about teams that have advanced, Real Madrid, Wolfsburg, PSG, Benfica. All good teams. Uh, we think that Man City will probably advance even without those two center backs. PSV and Atletico Madrid is tied, still nil-nil, so we don't really know anything about that. And tomorrow we'll be taking a look at Arsenal-Barcelona. Looks like Barcelona has that. And Juve and Bayern Munich, which is tied 2-2. So that's going to be an incredible match to watch. Anything that you think surprises you so far in the Champions League, or is it all really going to plan? Um, I think a lot of it is going to plan. I think one thing that we could mention, even though a lot of people won't think this is as impressive as a win as many would have thought at the beginning of the season, but Paris Saint-Germain, I think that they made an emphatic statement. You know, normally they've slipped up in this competition. Now they're through to the round of eight. They're getting deeper and deeper into this tournament. This could be the year that they need to make a statement. This is probably Zlatan's last year. I don't expect the French to uh, erect a statue of him in front of the Eiffel Tower or instead of the Eiffel Tower. But I think that this is the year that they need to make a move here. And I think that, you know, the, the years are kind of, kind of winding down for this team. They bought so many big-name talents. but And I know they've just secured the Ligue 1 again. But I think that they need to make a statement in this competition. I think another exciting matchup is going to be Bayern Juventus. These are two teams that were very unlucky with the draw. Both of them should. They have the quality to go deep into this competition. I think the winner of that game is going to make a statement as well in the next round. I think the secret for PSG is that they wrapped up the league. I mean, we, you talked about it. They, they wrapped up the league. They are League 1 champions. They can lose every match remaining, and they will still win League 1. So they have nothing to play for there. They have everything to play for here. And maybe finally Laurent Blanc can figure something out. I don't know. But I think with nothing really on their horizon except for this, keep an eye on them. They may do something that they've been expected to do for a long time but never been able to pull off. Or they could choke, but I, I think that they're definitely a team to contend with. For sure. Yeah, Sam, and I want to bring it back to the Premier League here since this is a Premier League-based show. Manchester City likely through to the next round. They're the Premier League's only hope. 
depending on that draw next week, how do you think that they're going to fare in this competition? Do you think do you see them as a team being able to make a run stacked up against the likes of PSG, Real Madrid, or Barcelona? Well, they now have these two injuries that we don't know how bad they are. They could be really small. They could be really big. In the case of company, it's usually bigger than small. I think that especially the fact that they're battling to stay in a Champions League place in the league, plus trying to do something that they haven't really done before. This is like the year of teams that haven't done something in the Champions League making some statements alongside the usual favorites. I think that I don't know that they'll stay around much longer. I don't believe that they will. But maybe next year, you know, they'll have a new manager who has shown he knows what to do in Europe. Yeah, exactly, Sam. And I think I think you hit the nail on the head right there. The fact that they're juggling this this another Champions League berth again with the Manchester United derby this weekend. I think they got a lot on their plate. I don't know if they had the team this year to do it. I think next year when they bring in Pep Guardiola, that's going to be a different looking team altogether, even consisting of the squad. I think that might be their next year to focus. I think they're proud of themselves for finally getting past that group stage. But I think compared to some of the other teams, such as Barcelona and Real Madrid, they don't stack up. If they if they manage to draw maybe a team like Wolfsburg or Atletico Madrid potentially or PSV Eindhoven in the next round, depending on who they win, they got a shot to progress again. But I think the road's going to end for them when they draw one of the Giants. So we'll talk about the Europa League for a couple seconds. I'll just mention a couple things going into Thursday. Sevilla and Basel tied 0-0. Villarreal over Leverkusen 2-0. Bilbao over Valencia 1-0. Liverpool pretty much embarrassed Manchester United 2-0. And Dortmund embarrassed Tottenham 3-0. I think that nothing's going to really change there. I think the teams that are leading in those matches will probably move through. And we'll see Liverpool as the only representative of England left in that competition. Disappointing for Tottenham. But it seems like based on the team that was shown, especially against the Dortmund first team, Putch knew what he was doing. He knew that he wanted out or he wanted to see if he could win with his second team because right now there's a chance to win a league. And Tottenham have secured a Champions League place with about 96% certainty. They'd have to have some sort of historic collapse to not finish in the top four. And so the merit of this competition is an insta-birth to the Champions League doesn't really hold up anymore. It's, it's a chance for a trophy, but at the same time, there's a chance for an even bigger trophy sitting at home. And I think it's evident that, that Tottenham are on the way out of this. You know, a lot of teams were very disappointing, Tottenham and Manchester United especially. But I think when looking at the last week's results, I think the really impressive teams were the Spanish teams. You look at Villarreal beating Bayer Leverkusen 2-0. to That's an impressive Bayer Leverkusen team with Chicharito. They've been firing on all cylinders. Villarreal goes in there and gets the home win. Atletico Bilbao getting a 1-0 win over Valencia, who's been really up and down this year. Sevilla, slightly disappointing tie in Switzerland against FC Basel, but I think those teams are definitely going to be teams to beat down the road. I really like Villarreal, um, especially with that statement win against Bayer Leverkusen. I think Spain is really representing here in the Europa League, as they usually do, Sam. Don't forget, Basel has a chance to play in the final at home. Anything is possible there, but yeah, I agree with you. Spanish teams are definitely impressing, like they always do in this competition. I think they take it a lot more seriously than some of the other teams out there, so I'm not surprised, but I think we'll see a lot of Spanish teams move on and not so many English teams moving on in European competition this week. So, we have 10 more minutes or so, and now is the time to talk about MLS. Uh, I'll put it up front. I don't know a lot about MLS, Uh, I'll assume that you do because you said let's talk about MLS. So I live in a world where LA Galaxy and Seattle are the two best teams in MLS. I also believe that the Western Conference is better than the Eastern Conference wholly. These are all probably views that originated three or four years ago. Tell me I'm right, tell me I'm wrong, but tell me what I need to know about MLS. 
Yeah, I'll tell you what you need to know right now. So the MLS season kicked off about two weeks ago. There was a bunch of great games going in. I'll give you a quick recap here. Portland Timbers, uh, MLS Cup final rematch against Columbus Crew. They win 2-1. to one. A couple other impressive results. NYCFC, a team that has struggled so much, gets a 4-3 win against Chicago Fired. Toronto FC beats New York Red Bulls 2-0. A couple other games to look at. Houston Dynamo and New England Revolution 3-3 tie. The field is open. I think there's a lot of good teams coming in. And then we look at last week's results as well. A very impressive 5-0 Houston Dynamo hammering of FC Dallas in that Texas Derby. That was very important. San Jose beats the Portland Timbers 2-1. New York City and Toronto FC, two of the league's most explosive offenses with the likes of Sebastian Javinko, Michael Bradley, Andrea Pirlo, and David Villa. Get a 2-2 draw there where both Villa and Javinko get a goal. And as well as that, a very important match. Philadelphia, a team that really hasn't been that strong as of late, beat the Columbus crew yet again. The title contenders, 0-2. It was a 2-1 victory. I think looking at the MLS right now, Columbus crew, New York Red Bulls, FC Dallas, Portland Timbers, and Seattle are all really strong teams in the MLS. And they all lost last week, and they haven't had a very good start. I think looking forward, you know, August, late July is when it really matters in the MLS. But there's a couple teams that have been very surprising. Montreal, without DDA Drogba, have been very good at the start. Especially with Piatti, they just sunk New York Red Bulls. NYCFC, I think the stars are starting to align there. They've looked really promising out of the East. Their back line has a little bit of problems, but they've made some impressive signings over the offseason. They've just brought in a, a U21 Colombian national team player. Uh, his name is Mendoza. He's a young, fast starlet. I think he's going to be really good for them. And then Portland, not looking so good, but I think that they're going to be a team to beat down the line. FC Dynamo putting up eight goals in two games. They look very impressive. And Sporting Kansas City, they got a big win out West as well. I think that they're a team to beat in the Western Conference. I think when looking at the conferences this year, I think that Sporting KC, Houston Dynamo, LA Galaxy, and Portland Timbers are going to be very good in the Western Conference. Seattle is still feeling feeling the hurt after losing Obafemi Martins. He's a big-time player. They lost him to China. And then looking at the Eastern Conference, I think it's going to be way more open this season. Last year, I think Columbus Crew and New York Red Bulls really dominated. New England Revolution were very good as well. And Toronto FC was a decent side. I think this year, a lot of teams are starting to step up. And I think it's a really exciting year for MLS. And I think with the moves that China's been making in the offseason, we're going to see more and more MLS signings. You know, something goes to be said about an under-21 national team player signing to NYCFC. That's a young talent that can emerge in the league. And I think we're going to see more young talents like that. So MLS looks very exciting as of right now, and that's kind of the MLS update coming from coming from my corner. Sam, what do you think now? Well, I know that MLS is something that doesn't gain a lot of traction in this country, and I think that's unfair. I think that people should be able to understand that there's not a lot like being able to go out to a game live. Yes, you can watch the best play on TV, but you can still watch the not-so-best play right in front of your face, and it's a lot of fun. It's all about the atmosphere. Uh, Last summer, I was able to go to a couple LA Galaxy matches when I was out in California, and I really enjoyed it. I sat behind the goal next to, I believe it was the Angel City Brigade, one of the two fan groups they have out there, and I really enjoyed myself. It was a lot of fun. They were very helpful. They they taught me all this stuff, and I was singing along and having a good time, and I think that there's something to be said to that sort of experience, and I think that maybe, hopefully, if you're telling me that there's some sort of extended parody in the MLS in the first couple of weeks, we'll get an exciting season that'll draw a lot of people in. The kinds of crowds that these MLS teams are drawing, especially in Portland, LA, New York, they're selling out Yankee Stadium 
you know, four or five matches a season. Okay. These are very fun crowds with student section like atmospheres. You know, it's a very fun environment. And you said, you know, some, some of these players are not the best of the best. Some of them are Andrea Pirlo, Frank Lampard, David Villa, all on one team. You know, those are guys that's two world cups, multiple champions league victories. David Villa had interest from Barcelona over the summer. This is a guy that can still play. Andrea Pirlo's playing style at age 36, you know, similar to Beckham, he could still play for Juventus if he wanted to, okay? A lot of these players are looking very good. I think especially Gonzalo Higuain's older brother. I mean, he netted a bicycle kick the other week. He's been absolutely dominating it. I think we got some exciting players in the league. Sebastian Javinko is going to represent Italy this summer in the Euros. We got some guys that can play. I think we're growing some American talent. I think once we can get them back into the league, it's going to make it even more exciting. But I think, yeah, with this parody start, this really weird start, I think that's going to make the season even more exciting, Sam. Let me ask another question that I think a lot of Premier League fans who are also Americans will be looking to hear the answer to. Uh, Tim Howard... Rumored to be going to the Rapids, do you think that that's going to be a move that will go through? And do you think that will help the Rapids? Well, I think obviously it will help the Rapids. But to what degree do you think it will help the Rapids? You know, for really any team gaining a goalie of his caliber, you know, he just recently got knocked off at a middle-tier Premier League team for his starting spot. He's a great player. I think that would really help them. You know, the Rapids are a team that haven't been that strong as of recently. They're sitting in seventh place right now. They won one and lost one. I think it's going to really help that back line, really help them, really help help the credibility of U.S. soccer. Tim Howard is actually in the commentator's booth for the Newcastle-Lesher City game, so I don't know what he's going to do. I hope he comes to the MLS. I think a lot of American fans want him in the MLS, and I think he's another player that can bring some more, some more viewers for Americans. I think it'd be a great move for the Colorado Rapids. And I'm just here hoping that David Beckham finally opens his team in Miami. I mean, I don't have a team. I've been following former Tottenham players in MLS. I've seen Defoe in Toronto and Dempsey in Seattle and Robbie Keane in, in L.A., but no team just yet. And I'm waiting for David Beckham to open a team so that I can be a fan. But I think until then, I'm just going to watch the league as, a, as an observer. Yeah, Sam, definitely. I think anything David Beckham puts his hands on is going to turn into gold. I think this team is very exciting. Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Cristiano Ronaldo, and Neymar have all expressed interest to play for, for that team, actually. So I think that's a team that can really bring in some star power, similar to New York City FC in their first year, same as LA Galaxy. Um, I don't know if that's the move that the league wants to make at this point. You know, I think they're really trying to get rid of the stigma of being the place where stars die. I think... Uh, Obviously, anyone would love to have Ibrahimovic, Ronaldo, and Neymar, and I think they're not going to say no to those players, but I think that they want to grab more players like Sebastian Jovinko, who are, you know, age 26, 27, still playing for the team. Those are the kinds of players they want to bring. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't think that they can shred that until they change the league calendar, and they can't change the league calendar until they become more popular, and they can't become more popular until they bring in more players with name recognition, and it's a vicious cycle that starts all back at the beginning, where they'll need to bring in enough of these older star players to get enough recognition to say, hey, we can play during the regular season that everybody else plays during, and then they can do that, and then players will come in their prime to play in the regular calendar because then they'll be free in the summer to go play for their international teams. I just don't see MLS becoming a force to be reckoned with until they change that schedule. Yeah, I think the schedule is a big deal. Um, I think a lot of people say, you know, why can't they do that? Why can't they bring in these young stars? 
it is because of the money. You know, we just saw China do that. They brought in a lot of mid-20s, late-20s guys in their prime. I think the MLS can do it as well. I think one thing that should be key for the MLS moving forward is Central and South America. You know, we saw Costa Rica make a big World Cup run. How many guys out of Brazil go straight to the Premier League? How many guys go from the Premier League to Brazil? We see Carlos Tevez there and, you know, Alexander Pato, who's not too old yet either. You know, he was in Brazil for a little bit of time. I think they need to bring in some young talent from Brazil, Argentina, Colombia, and bring those kinds of players into America and have that be the launching point for them. That's an interesting thought. I think that the culture there is a little bit different. Players in South America play for one team as a youth and then they go to Europe and they usually finish their career back at that same team at home because it's just, it is their identity. All these Brazilian greats who came back and played in Brazil at the end, Ronaldinho and and players like that, they all identify as that club first and European club second. And so it's kind of hard to shake that. I think if we can interrupt that cycle, you're right on the early end rather than the late end, you get a better chance to get that talent before it develops. But you find people a lot less likely to leave those clubs unless there's a lot of money and a big-time opportunity. And usually those opportunities only come in the form of European contracts. So I don't know. I think that just about does it for us this week. For Justin, I am Sam. Thank you very much for catching our podcast. We will be on YouTube. We will be on SoundCloud. Hopefully, we will also be on iTunes, and we will be on the website, as always. Make sure to catch us this week, and we will be back next week. Thank you very much. Shout out to the Ducks for getting that number one seed in the tournament, boys.